What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining me here for this Monday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. There's a Sports Ethos presentation, and I'm your host, Joe Orico. You can hit me up over on Twitter at JoeOrico99 and also at EthosFantasyBB. Specifically, go check out EthosFantasyBB. That's where all of our new content will be posted throughout this offseason and heading into next year. So today, we are going to be looking back on First Pitch Arizona a little bit, which was an incredible experience. We're also going to be talking about the draft that I did, the draft and hold that we did on Saturday afternoon. Now, this entire experience of First Pitch was incredible. If you were not able to make it out this year or if you've never been before, uh, it's something I really, really highly recommend for 2023. You're essentially just in fantasy baseball heaven for three, four days, however long you can actually make it out there for. I got in late Wednesday night. And then I left um, late Sunday night. So I got four full days there of really, really just an incredible experience talking with a ton of different people that I've had on the show. So like not everybody, but some people that I've had on the show and actually getting to meet them in person, which was which was fantastic. And then also getting to talk to some people who I've looked up to in the baseball and fantasy world for a long, long time. And that's something that really you can't say enough about that experience of just being able to pick the brain of Eno Saris and Paul Spore and Nick Pollock and these guys who know so much about the game and actually getting to do it in person as opposed to just, you know, a tweet back and forth or even a podcast. When you're sitting beside somebody, you're having a meal or a drink or whatever, and you actually get to converse with them face to face, it's a whole kind of different experience. So highest possible recommendation for first pitch and a big thank you to everybody at Baseball HQ for putting on such an incredible event because it's something that's it's, it's a lot to organize. All the different panels and all the logistics of getting everybody in one place, it's fantastic. And also a big shout out to Ryan Bloomfield for putting together the golf game that we did on Thursday afternoon. It was an incredible experience. The whole thing, the whole thing was amazing. Honestly, I can't even really pick my favorite part, but I think for me the most exciting part was what we're going to be focusing mainly on today which was the draft that I did Saturday afternoon. It was a draft champions, which if you guys don't know, it's a draft and hold. You pick 50 players for the season. It's a 15-team league. You pick 50 players for the season, and then that's it. There's no moves throughout the year. If all 50 players get hurt, then you're out of luck. You're screwed. That's just the way the dice rolls. Hopefully that's not what happens to me. Um, I'm not expecting that, but that is a possibility because you can't make any in-season moves. So you kind of have to really put some effort into your drafting and make sure that you're picking guys who you have faith in for the whole season, not just so much for injuries, but for playing time for guys who might get called up later in the year. You have to put all of your process really into the draft. I mean, you still set your lineups week in and week out, but the draft is really important. And it was hard to do so, so much research for next year because we're still six months away. So things that we know right now or that we think are true right now might not be true come February, March, and April. So we're kind of drafting blind here. It was the first time I'd done a live draft, which was really, really fun. Uh, you're standing around people or sitting around people, and you're just calling out picks, and they're inputting it onto the screen in front of you. It's something that's – it makes your heart really race, and you get sniped. like I was getting sniped like crazy. Kevin Hastings was sniping me left, right, and center. I got him back a few times. Kevin Hastings of Pitcher List – we were going back and forth with the snipes there. It was really, really fun. I do want to talk about the guys that I was picking here. We're not going to go through everybody. We did the first half of it. We did 23 out of 50 rounds, not quite half. But I'm going to go through probably the first 12 or so rounds today. And then we'll pick it up again tomorrow. And then, of course, uh, when we pick up this draft online in January, we'll keep up with the uh, following along in terms of the guys that I'm picking. And I do plan on bringing on some people from this draft to talk about their picks. Uh, Frank Stanfield's is going to come on. Sarah Sanchez is going to come on. 
Uh, Kevin Hastings, I haven't even talked to him about it, but I'm hoping he's going to come on. Britton Allen, a lot of people who are involved in this draft are going to talk about their picks and their process as well. So I was picking from the 13th slot. And originally, I, my, my plan going in was to go hitters early and hitters heavy for the first couple of rounds because the narrative this year, and it is, it is true, is that the pitching is very, very deep. There are probably like 50 or 60 pitchers, maybe 70 pitchers, where you can comfortably say, I'm all right to have these guys, um, you know, not leading my rotation, but having a solid role on my staff this year. So I was, you know, and it's, it's deeper than most years. So I was thinking I'm going to go hitters in the first two rounds and then maybe a pitcher or maybe even three hitters in a row and then pitchers. And then we were watching a panel right before the draft with Rob Silver, and he was talking specifically about the win and how you need to almost chase the win now in fantasy baseball because they're so scarce, especially at the bottom of the board and especially for those teams like uh, he mentioned specifically, I believe it was the Pittsburgh Pirates. They had 21 wins as a starting rotation this season. Now, that's obviously a really extreme scenario, but it goes to show you, like, they thin out. Like, wins really thin out. And there was a lot of other teams at the bottom there. Uh, Wash, I can't remember exactly. It was a, a slide they had up on screen there, but it was... I believe Washington and Oakland and teams of that ilk who were very, very hard to get wins from. So my strategy changed a little bit on the fly here. And this was the first time I'd ever done a draft champion. So I don't really know what the hell I'm doing in this format to begin with. But I went Mookie Betts in the first round to pick 13. And then I went with a couple of pitchers in the next couple of rounds. I went with Corbin Burns and I went with Spencer Strider. Now, my thought process on that is I'm locking in. Assuming there's no injuries, assuming all goes according to plan, between Burns and Strider, there's a legitimate chance there at close to 500 strikeouts. And in terms of wins, probably 30 to 35 is, is a reasonable number to project between those two guys. Now, Strider is a little bit of an unknown. We don't know if he's going to pitch 125 innings, if he's going to pitch closer to 200 innings. I'd guess it's probably going to be in the 160 to 170 range. I'm not sure how far they're really going to let him go, but a whole season in the starting rotation I'm thinking probably you're going to see 160, 170 from him, unless, of course, they take precautions down the stretch. They maybe don't let him go so late into games. But I'm pretty confident in those two guys. Now, Mookie in the first round for me, it made a lot of sense because you're getting pretty much like four-plus category production from him. The batting average is kind of not a full category there. He's like a 260, 270 kind of guy. But when the league batting average is 240, I mean, hell, that, that essentially counts as a, as a plus there. So I went with Mookie in the first round, and then Burns, and then Spencer Strider. I feel really good about those first three picks. And then I went with Jose Altuve in the fourth round, and that's the first snipe. I sniped Kevin Hastings on Jose Altuve. Second base is god-awful. Second base is a position where there's not really much comfort you can have anywhere beyond the first few rounds. And third base is kind of similar, and even catcher a little bit. We'll get into catcher a little bit more later. But it's not quite as deep, especially when you're in a two-catcher format, as you might think if you're, you know, I'm used to playing in 10 and 12 team one catcher leagues. That's what I've grown up on. That's what I've always done. It's a lot different in two catcher formats. And I think I'll actually just quickly pause here and show you guys or tell you guys the way that this works. Because this is an NFBC league. It's a little bit different than what you might be normally used to playing. Two catchers. There's a first, second, and third base slot. Shortstop. Then there's corner infield, middle infield, five outfielder slots, and a utility slot. It's a little bit different. And then you have nine starting pitchers. I believe or nine pitchers that you can put into your lineup, yeah. So not necessarily starters, but that's how you start uh, on a given week. So in terms of second base, you need a second base, middle infield, 
I wanted to get it out of the way pretty early. And Jose Altuve, for me there, <clears throat> I think he's pretty close to the cream of the crop for second base heading into next season. I mean, Trey Turner is not going to have the position. Uh, Mookie Betts is not going to have the position, I don't believe. Uh, and then there's going to be Jose Altuve, Semyon, and, and Tommy Edmond and those guys. Now, I do worry a little bit. Like, the steals we saw from Altuve this year were kind of out of the blue. I don't know if he's going to carry that over. Like, you know, maybe he'll steal 10 or 12. I think it was 18 this year. Maybe we don't see him reach 18 again, but with the rule changes, maybe we see him go somewhere similar to that. That's not really specifically why I drafted him. Durability at the position, you're getting probably close to 100 runs, 60, 70 RBIs, 20 homers, and a 300 batting average. So I was really, really happy with getting Altuve in the fourth. And then I went back to pitching in the fifth. I took Kevin Gosman here, and I'm happy about this pick for a number of reasons. One being, like we said earlier, wins are going to be really hard to come by the farther you get down the board. So taking a top-tier starter on a team that is very good, 90-plus win team, should be able to net me somewhere in the ballpark of 10 to 15 wins right there. You add that to Strider and Burns earlier in the draft, we're looking somewhere in the neighborhood of probably 50 wins between those three guys. I might be overshooting a little bit, but in the 40 to 50 win range, I think is pretty possible uh, in my first five rounds there. So I'm very happy there. The second reason is I'm a huge Toronto homer, and I will take as many Blue Jays as I can at the right price, not just shoot up the board and draft them. But if the price is right, then I will absolutely take uh, a Blue Jay. Kevin Gosman is also, I think, one of the most underrated pitchers in all of baseball. And the numbers this year were incredible, and he didn't really get the recognition he should have. He was dealing with some injuries around the All-Star break, but he was left off the roster, and I don't remember him ever saying anything like, I'm not going to accept a spot or nothing like that. You know, Usually if someone's injured, they'll still name you to the All-Star game and then remove you from it, whatever. He wasn't even put into the All-Star game, which I thought was an incredible piece of disrespect to his name for whatever reason. But when you look at the stats that he had this season, uh, he, was, he was incredible. 24.4 strikeout minus walk percentage, which was fifth in baseball. A 42.70 swing percentage, which is swings outside of the zone. First in baseball. 2.38 fielding independent pitching. Second in baseball. A 2.76 expected fielding independent pitching, which is when you factor in the stat cast data. Third in baseball. He had the worst BABIP in baseball at 363. The worst BABIP in baseball, and still he had more than 200 strikeouts, a 335 ERA, a 124 whip. He gave you 12 victories. He was still a, he was still an incredible fantasy asset. Like He is somebody, I think, that could win the Cy Young Award. I don't know that he ever will, but he is more than capable of being a Cy Young winning pitcher. And I think that getting him in the fifth round here, especially pairing him with Burns and Strider, I'm getting three guys who are going to be able to give me all around 200 strikeouts, all very likely are going to go three ERA and below. And I think, like we said, the wins, which are going to be a real pain in the ass this year, I think we're probably looking at the floor for these guys is at minimum 30 wins. Assuming everybody's healthy, 30 to 50 in that range is definitely going to be happening. So I feel really good about this. Now, I feel like I am a little bit light on my hitters here early in the draft, which is something that... You know, it's been, like, we, like we've talked about it, like a lot of people have talked about it, you should hammer hitters early. And I didn't really do that. I went more on the early pitching side. And I'm going to be questioning that a little bit going forward, but I think I'm pretty happy with it at the same time, just because of the names I was able to get. I didn't reach up the board to just get, you know, anybody. I got three aces here. You want to argue about Manoa versus Gosman, whatever. Uh, there's three aces on this staff so far. So I'm really happy about those picks. Now, having Mookie and Jose Altuve as my two 
main hitters, uh, I feel really good about that as well. We should be able to net me around 50 home runs between the two of them, you know, 280 batting average offset between the two of them, uh, maybe 40, no, probably not 40 steals, probably like 30 some odd steals. I feel pretty good about that. And also likely 200 runs and 170-ish RBI. So I feel really, really good about my first five rounds. Now, at this point of the draft, closers started flying off the board like hotcakes. And there was really like nobody was left. Uh, Romano was gone. Hayter was gone. Hendricks was gone. Diaz was gone. Classe was gone. And I was panicking a little bit. And still looking back at this draft, that is the area where I screwed up. Absolutely, I did not go uh, with enough closers. The first one that I picked here was Ryan Helsley. And I feel really good about Ryan Helsley, even though I know he's not going to be what he was this past season because, I mean, a 125 ERA, a .74 whip, they're not really realistic numbers year on year. You see a guy put up these numbers, he's going to regress a little bit. Now, his expected stats were still you know, low twos, his pitching indicators. It wasn't like they were in the fours or something. I think he could still be an incredible asset. I think he could still be a great closer, get me somewhere in the 25-30 save neighborhood uh, with great strikeouts and great ratio. So I took him there more so out of the fact of I was a little bit desperate at that point of I don't want to get left behind without any closers. So I went with Ryan Helsley there. I went with O'Neill Cruz in the next round. And this is where I don't know exactly how to feel about this pick because there's a chance that he could just murder my batting average and maybe he, you know, a little bit of a sophomore slump or whatever. And maybe this doesn't turn out to be a great pick. But I see the way he ended the season. He was hitting for average. He was walking more. He wasn't striking out as much. He can be like a four and a half kind of category guy, which is kind of what I was doing with Mookie in the first round there. They give you a hell of a lot of counting stats and then not so much in the batting average. It's a similar kind of player. And I needed a shortstop. So I think O'Neill Cruz here. I think it made a lot of sense for me in round seven. If he was going any farther than this, it would have been, I think, a massive discount because seven and a fifth, I think it was round pick 100 or so. Uh, my math is so bad. 60, 75. Not, yeah, I was like about pick 100. I got O'Neill Cruz here. And I think that in a lot of drafts, especially as we get closer to the season, he's probably going to be going in the 70s and in the 60s. I, I might be wrong about that, but I just see him as being like a helium guy. If people remember what he did at the end of this season, and we'll see maybe who knows what happens in spring, but he hits a few big home runs in spring training. Like I'm, I'm expecting him to, cause we know it's O'Neill Cruz. I could see that price getting really, really, really handsome. So getting him in round seven here, I'm pretty, pretty happy about that. Now in round eight, Gunnar Henderson is who I went with and I needed a third baseman here. Another really weak position, and getting a guy like Henderson, who, granted, same kind of arguments you can make for O'Neill Cruz. Sophomore guy, not the greatest lineup, although definitely unquestionably better lineup in Baltimore. There's still going to be some question marks about what he can do over the course of a full season. Now, getting him where I got him, it's a very similar argument to Cruz. I think that they're going to go up like a crazy amount in this offseason in drafts. And we're going to see them go in the 60s. So getting them both after 100 or in that 100 kind of plus 95 plus range, I think that makes a lot of sense. Henderson has third and shortstop eligibility. I think that he will get second as well, possibly, because he's a guy who can play all over the infield. I'm really, really happy. Now, he needs 20 games, I believe. And I'm not so familiar with the NFBC rules. I think it's 20 games the season before to keep eligibility. I'm not sure how the in-season eligibility works there. But even just if it's third and short, I get corner and middle infield plus third there. And a guy who I, I don't know exactly how to project Gunnar Henderson. Like, 
I think he could be like a 25 to, and I don't know, 25 and 15 kind of guy. I think that that's maybe not this year. And maybe he's even has a higher ceiling than that. But I think somewhere in that neighborhood is, is probably correct. Uh, you know, probably giving me like a 250-ish kind of batting average. And I think that that's kind of what my team build is here. Not that it was even necessarily on purpose. Just a lot of counting stats and then all right batting average. In terms of the batters, um, we've got a lot of runs on this team. We're not, not a ton of home runs, admittedly. I mean, Mookie could give me 30. Altuve could give me 30 and Cruz could give me 30. But they also could all give me 15. Uh, Mookie probably less likely than the other two. But it's possible. Now, Cruz, Cruz is really hard to, to forecast home runs. I think that he could, like, realistically, it's probably going to be in, like, the 25, 30 range. But he could also hit, like, 45. He's one of those guys where it's kind of hard to figure out exactly. But I think I'm a little bit light on power, which is why in the next coming rounds I try to get a little bit more power on the team. I went with Anthony Santander and Christian Walker as my next two picks. And they are guys who I think – Probably 30 home runs is maybe not Santander is going to be likely to hit 30 home runs, but it was 33 this year. I think that, you know, somewhere in the 25 to 30 range is probably right. Got a little Orioles stack there, which I know is not really a thing for season long, but it kind of is at the same time. It's not really talked about as much, but if you pick with your first two picks like Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman, a lot of the time you're going to be benefiting. One guy scores a run, the other guy drives him in, whatever. It still does come into play. Not that that had anything to do with this draft pick, but it's just something to remember. You might get an extra run or RBI just because of that. And I think that the pick kind of made sense here. It's the first pick I didn't feel great about. Like the first eight picks of this draft, I was feeling like top of the world kind of thing. Ryan Helsley, maybe not quite as much. He was more of a, I need a closer. And I was very happy to get him, um, but I wasn't like, you know, planning, planning in advance to take Ryan Helsley. It was kind of like, oh, shit, closers are flying off the board. I need to grab him here. Santander was kind of like, okay, I need somebody here. I need an outfielder, first of all, because this is a five-outfielder format. Outfield is not particularly deep in a five-outfielder format. In a three-outfielder format, if you're playing in a 10- or 12-team league, outfield is pretty pretty decent you can wait a little bit on it you can go early it's, there's no right excuse me there's no right or wrong answer really uh with outfield in a 12 team league especially three outfielders now five outfielders 15 teams it starts to go pretty quickly so i was looking at the board here anthony santander was about the guy i wanted to take and another thing i should point out here that i should have pointed out off the top is you guys are used to doing drafts and so am i on your phone or your laptop where It'll get sorted out by, by, you know, guys get drafted, they go off the board. That was not the case here. We were just going off of notes. We're going off of ADP data. But we weren't actually, the site's not set up so that we could have done that yet. We were saying names out loud. They are being inputted by the guy, the IT guy for the NFBC. I believe his name is Dean Peterson. And he was putting them up on the screen there. And we were just kind of having to go off of memory and at looking on the board about who was there, who was not still. And there was a lot of times where names were shouted out and players had already been taken and we didn't even realize it. This was not your standard look at the top of the board, see who's the highest left player by ADP or rank. It was you had to go off your own mind. So there's a chance that guys fell a little bit more or went higher than they possibly should have. And an example in the other draft champions, uh, Eric Cross got Juan Soto at pick 21. In this draft, I think Xander Bogarts went at pick 21. So... It shows you there's some weird stuff that can go on with these drafts. So Santander, for me, in that time frame, it was the one-minute pick clocks. He was the guy 
that I went with here, and I felt pretty happy about it. I'm not over the moon about it, but I think 30 home runs, 80 RBIs, and probably like a 240, probably something similar to what he did this year, is probably in the cards. Now, I'm not feeling particularly great about stolen bases. I think that it's all right, but I'm not like flush for stolen bases. Mookie is all right. You know, maybe 10-15, Altuve, 10-15, Cruz, 10-15, and Henderson, probably 10-15. And then after that, it kind of fell off for me a little bit in terms of the guys I was taking with speed. And it also, I mean, I mentioned already, but Christian Walker, my next pick here, not really going to give me much for speed either. So, I mean, I'm still sitting with this. This is not something I've had a lot of time to go over. I'm still kind of just figuring it out as I'm talking through with you fine people here about what happened in this draft because I was I don't know what the hell I'm doing in a draft champions 15 teams it's really tough so I I went with Christian Walker here I needed a first baseman and Christian Walker is somebody that I loved this season I was big on him uh, not so much before the season but once he started to get cooking I was picking him up everywhere because it was similar to what he did a few years back I forget if it was 2018 or 2019 but he did exactly this pretty much with 35 ish home runs like 90 RBIs and this year 36 94 and 242 I think that he can give you something kind of similar you know 30 home runs maybe 94 RBIs is a little bit much considering the lineup around him but 80 to 90 RBIs is probably about right he's had two steals this year but likely zero or one next season I'm not going to be banking on those and then you know a 240 kind of batting average maybe even a little bit lower Uh, I think Honestly, I don't really know how to feel exactly about Christian Walker here. I'm pretty happy with it. I think it's it's the point of the draft where you start to get a little bit less confident with your picks. You know, once you get to 10 rounds in, about 150 and beyond. We're not talking about the elite fantasy players anymore. But Christian Walker is still somebody that I think is, is going to be solid. 30 and 90 is within the realm of possibility. Maybe, okay, 30 and 80. And that's something that I think is still going to be very valuable, especially considering the relative lack of power that I had. I didn't take a Vladdy or a Jordan or a Judge. I got guys who were more kind of hit or miss with power early. So Santander and Walker, I think, make a lot of sense here. They could give me 60 home runs here. Maybe that's shooting a little bit high, expecting both to hit 30, but it's maybe both could hit 40. It's, it's totally possible, and I'm pretty happy with these picks here. After 10 rounds, I start to look at my roster here, and trying to figure out where I am lacking, what positions I'm lacking still, and catchers really standing out to me. There's been a lot of talk about how deep the catcher position is, and I think it's a pretty deep position, but in a 15-team, two-catcher league, it's not that deep. You can't wait so long. I usually like to wait on catcher. You know, either you're going to go for one of those kind of stud catchers, Real Mudo or, or, you know, Varsho, Perez, or whoever, or you're going to wait, which is kind of what I like to do on catcher. I'm more of a one-catcher format. I play a lot of 12-team leagues. You don't have to go that early. In this draft, there was not really much going on at this point in terms of catchers. They were mostly gone already. So I went with Travis Darno. I feel pretty happy about it. I think maybe I went and got him a little bit earlier than I should have, but there was just, you know, once you get past him, there's not much to really be happy about. Danny Jansen was already taken. I could have gone for like Yasmany Grandal, uh, Shea Langoliers, um, Mitch Garver, interestingly, I was thinking about taking, and then I saw Jeff Erickson uh, from Rotowire tweet out during our draft, I just happened to look at my at Twitter, and he said, be careful if you're going to draft, Mitch Garver's not going to have catcher eligibility on the NFBC next year. I was thinking, oh shit, like this is a stroke of luck, because I was thinking, you know, if it gets to me, it gets to that point, you know, 260, 270, 280. I can't really lose that much with Mitch Garver there, but without catcher, I mean, useless at that point. 
So Travis Darnot, I think, was kind of the last guy that I felt really okay with in this range. There's maybe a couple of guys you could speculate on later down a little bit. Uh, Logan O'Hoppy, kind of interesting. Uh, Gabriel Moreno, I, I like. Of course, a Toronto guy, but I don't think there's really room for him right now. Um, you know, you keep going down the board, there's the odd guy that's a little bit interesting. But it's not that deep of a position. It's just not. Like, 10-team leagues, sure. If there's 10 catchers, you know, you might have Sean Murphy or somebody or Darno on the waiver wire if it's a one-catcher, 10-team league. In that case, sure. But when there's a league where you need to have 30 catchers starting and then, you know, talk about the reserves and whatnot, it's not that deep. So Travis Darno for me, I'm pretty happy with that pick. He had 18 home runs last year, 60 ribbies. He batted 268. He's a guy for his career. He's a 252 hitter. Uh, his 162 game average is 22 homers and 80 RBIs. He's not going to play that many games, but you know if he plays what he usually does, which is about 100, 110 in that range, give you like 16 home runs, 50 to 60 RBIs, and hit for a good batting average for a catcher. And I think batting average is where I may struggle a little bit here. I'm really not sure what to expect with this team. I really don't, and that's the thing. I've never drafted a team so so early i've never done a draft for the next season when it's still essentially this season um so i i don't know i don't know what's going to happen with this team i think i'm pretty good like runs i feel pretty good about rbis i feel also pretty good about home runs and steals for me are kind of a wild card because the guys i pick the more i real the more i look at this the more i realize there's a wide range of outcomes for their home runs and steal numbers mookie betts he could be a 25 home run guy. He could be, you know, 22. It could be 19. It could be 33. There's a pretty big range for him. For Jose Altuve, it's probably going to be more than 20. But, hell, he's going to be 33. I don't know what he's going to hit. It might be 15. It might be 12 next year. Uh, O'Neill Cruz, it could be 45. It could be 15. Like, I, I, I don't know. The more I look at this, the more I think there are some wild cards. And the same exact thing goes with steals here. Betts, Altuve, Cruz, Henderson, they should be able to steal you know, a good chunk of bags, but exact figures, like, you know, you look at Tommy Edmond, okay, 30 steals the last two years, he's probably going to steal you somewhere in the neighborhood of 30. That's not too crazy to expect. But Jose Altuve, a guy who's bounced around a lot and steals these last few years, you know, I heard them talking on the CBS podcast, I think it was Scott White, who said maybe Altuve goes for 30 this year. I mean, maybe he does, but he could just as easily go for 10. You know, it, it is a wide range there. Uh, Henderson, the same. It's it's very, it's very tricky. I mean, even if we drafted this team in March, I wouldn't feel that confident about projecting exact figures for these guys. I know that they're going to be valuable. I know that Mookie is going to be valuable, whether it comes from runs, RBIs, homers, wherever it comes from. He's going to be a first worst case scenario, second round talent if he's healthy. But projecting exact stats here is a little bit tricky. So I am. I'm still not sure. I think I feel pretty good about this draft. We're going to pick it up tomorrow. We'll go over the second half of what we did so far because there's 23 rounds we did so far. We're going to end up doing 50. This is 5x5 five five Roto, just in case you guys were not already familiar with this format. I'm just, the more I look at it, the more I don't know how to feel. And I think it's because I've never played in the format before. I'm still trying to figure out exactly how this team should be constructed in the second half of the draft. I still need to fill in some spots. I feel pretty good about my pitching. I feel all right about my batters, and overall, I think, considering it was my first draft and the amount of sharks that were in that room, I think it was a pretty good draft. You guys let me know over on Twitter, at JoeOrico99, at EthosFantasyBB. Let me know what you think. I tweeted this out a couple days ago when we did the draft on Saturday. 
my picks are all there if you guys want to see the second half of the draft. It's not exactly a secret. It's over there on Twitter. So please do go check it out. It's on both of those accounts. Uh, and we will pick this one up tomorrow. So guys, thank you so much for continuing to listen throughout this offseason. I really appreciate that. I know it's kind of tricky when there's no baseball going on. To stay invested, you guys are the diehards, and I really appreciate you. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the five-star. Leave a review if you guys would be so kind. All of those things would go a long way into helping the show grow, which is what we are trying to do here. So, guys, we will see you again tomorrow, and we will pick this one up. Until then, cheers, everybody. 